And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and divide unto them his living. Now, unto them, they got their share, the older and the younger one too. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He just started in. Souls in hell are in want. All eternity, uh, lost souls are in want. Folks that reject God and the right and live in sin always in want. More money they get, the more they want. In hell, the rich man wanted a drop of water. He must have been up against it. The biggest fool in the world, somebody that thinks that he can be satisfied without living in fellowship with Almighty God. He began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would fain have satisfied his hunger with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he, he was sort of crazy. Anybody do what he did is crazy. But of course, some insanity men are responsible for to God. Some folks go crazy that shouldn't go crazy. Nobody would act the fool like some people acting if they weren't crazy. No girl would play with sin unless she's crazy. Of course, the devil runs you crazy. No boy would take chances even in this world. There wasn't any hereafter messing around with sin if he wasn't crazy. You know, sin is a form of insanity. It produces insanity. All insanity is not due to the sin of the person who's insane. But a lot of folks in the asylum wouldn't be that. Plenty of folks walking around this country crazy. Wouldn't be crazy if they were right with God. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough in despair and I perish with hunger? He began to reason. You know, uh, that's the trouble with a lot of people. You can't reason when you're all messed up. I've seen students in this school that come here and wouldn't go through for God and wouldn't take their training. You can't reason with them. They know it all. You can't tell them anything. Egomaniacs know everything. You can't tell them anything. Seventeen-year-old girl sometime, maybe a 16-year-old boy, or 18 or 19. Young people, I want to give a little testimony. I have never in my life made an important decision in my whole life about any matter until I consulted with more mature people. I mean by more mature people, people who had more experience. I've made a thousand mistakes, but I've always asked for advice sincerely. I came very near when I was a young fella playing the biggest fool anybody ever could play in this world. I had a proposition put to me. Very attractive. You know, it's hard to turn it down. And I went to an old preacher and said to him, what do you think about this thing? Well, he said, I think it's all right for a fool. Fool, I think, be a very good thing for a fool to do. Well, you know, of course, that cut me. But I said, well, he ought to know more about that than I did. 
And I didn't want to be branded as a fool. I had a little self-respect. And I had a lot of respect for this man's intelligence. And listen to me. If that fellow hadn't cut me to the quick, just like he did, I probably would have broke out of bounds. And I thank God that he talked to me that way. And when I got to, grew up, became old, I was grown then. Uh, I went to the deathbed of this old fellow. He was dying. Stood there and he looked out of his staring eyes into my face. He said, it's you, Bob. I said, yes. You'd better be reasonable. You can play off the fool without any trouble. You know that, some of you have been played it. And when he came to say he began to read, he said, I'm not as well over the hired servants in my father's house, and yet I'm a son. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll arise and go to my father. I'm going to straighten things out. He couldn't straighten everything out. You can't straighten everything out you've ever done. But a fellow's getting right when he tries to straighten everything out he can. All of us have done things we can never fix. But you can fix some things and you are not right until you try to fix what you can fix. I'll ride and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet awake, we off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father... I've sinned against heaven in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. He didn't get to finish his speech. He said he's going to ask him to make him a hired servant. But before he could get that part of the speech in, the father closed his mouth with a kiss. The father said to him, his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring here the fatted calf and kill it, uh, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come and thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry. Humanly speaking, I don't much blame him. I can understand it, humanly speaking. Now, now I'm, I'm talking just, just like a human being ordinarily would feel about a thing of that kind. And would not go in, therefore came to his father out and entreated him. And the answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgress any time by commandments. Yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry in my, for with my friends. But as soon as this son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this day thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, last night I was praying to God to give me something to say to you today. And I think what I'm going to say is one of the most timely messages I've ever given to any group of young people in the world. 
I'm sick and tired of something that's going on in America. I'm sick and tired of much of the glamour boy religion in this country. And I'm sick and tired and disgusted with the tendency to make heroes out of renegades. Don't you misunderstand some of these uh, spectacular glamour boy movements in this country we call great evangelistic religious movements? Now, don't misunderstand me. Some people are being saved in them. Somebody said if one man is saved in revival, it's worth the effort. Well, now, that might be so or might not be so. That's easily said, you know. But in getting one man saved, you may so dilute the Christian situation until in days to come you'll keep other people men saved. We've turned our Christian movement in this country, even among evangelicals, into sort of a glamour day banner carrying holiday hurrahster. We need to get back in this country on a decent foundation. Some of your movements in this country today, you get into some of these great uh, youth rallies, and they put on everything else in the world except the gospel train. And they put that gospel train on a sidetrack and let every other train come by. Horn to Quartets, duets. Now, don't misunderstand me. We believe in quartets and duets and horns and all the rest of it. But we don't believe in putting the gospel train on a sidetrack and letting the horn tooting train pass. In the great and mighty revivals under Moody and Finney and Chapman and Tarry and Billy Sunday and the rest of the campaigns, the campaigns that Dr. and Ms. Jones and I were associated with back before World War I and following World War I. Every train got out of the way for the gospel train. Whenever that old gospel train came blowing by, every train stepped to one side. And now in some of these programs, at least part on the programs of gospel, I remember one place they wanted me to travel about two or three thousand miles and speak fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes on a three hours program for the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation of everyone to believe. Now listen, young people. That's one of the tendencies of this day. There's another tendency. A spectacular sort of thing of picking up somebody and say, he's a Hollywood convert. Or he's a gangster. Or he's a past master at something else. We're turning renegades into heroes. Now let's quit making a hero out of the prodigal son. He's not the hero in this story at all. He may have a leading role in the drama. He's not the hero in this story. The hero in this story is the father. 
the things between the lines about that father you can read. That father sat on the porch at night when the shadows of the evening began to gather with tears running down his face. Think about my poor wandering boy. And maybe at night when he'd go to bed in the nighttime, couldn't sleep, turn over in bed. Why, well, I said, dear, Feel bad? No, I feel all right. Not worried, are you? No, not special. You worried? No, I just thinking about our boy. Hope he's all right. You know the hottest place in hell is being reserved for young people that add to the heartaches of their parents. I have known them to come to Bob Jones University campus and call up their folks at home and keep them awake at night. About some little insignificant nothing. You know I'd eat dirt and wallow on the ground out here with the dogs and hogs before I'd trouble my old one. My day. They took me up when I was a little country boy and put me in a high school away from home. Thirteen miles away was a long way, you see. And I never been anywhere. And I got there in my room at night when everybody was asleep. Just a little fella. I wasn't a little over 12 years old. And I, many a night I cried myself to sleep and nobody but God and I knew anything about it. I wouldn't have pinched a wrinkle of pain in the face of my mother. And you won't either if you're decent. You've no soul and no heart. You are unfit to say mother and dad. Miserable, hard-hearted, fiendish wretch. That old man and woman at home, their flesh and blood in another land, you see. While they were sleeping at night at home, he was out with bad women, wild parties. Glam of boy spend his money. Don't make this man a hero. Magnify the love of a father that would forgive such a digit. He's a converted gangster. Well, who converted him? You ought to have been in hell. He's a converted jailbird. Who converted the jailbird? And if he struts, I doubt his conversion. 
deliver me one of these little chesty fellows that comes around the place and talks about what he's been and all that kind of holds up himself and talks out big about himself and struts around telling everybody else what to do and knows it all. He ought to be on his face in the dirt before God Almighty in human society. I believe in pulling them out of the ditch. I've been in that business for 53 years as an evangelist. I believe in helping the woman of the underworld back to God. I believe in helping gamblers and thieves and crooks and murderers, and I can write volumes and tell the story what I see. But don't make heroes. Make heroes out of the folks that by the grace of God were kept out of the ditch. And you know something? They have fallen all over this country there. Somebody said, didn't Jesus cast uh, seven devils out of somebody? Yeah, but I've known women that never smoked a cigarette had more devils in them than that. college professors with PhDs that had two or three times that many devils in them. You don't have to be a harlot to have devils in you. Do you take Jesus Christ, where do you get his crowd? He leaned over the battlement of heaven and took a heavenly baseball and knocked Paul in the head. Told him, I want you. What kind of man was Paul? Well, he uh, persecuted the Christians. Yes, I know. He did on the laws, too. He wasn't a gangster. And he could write, I've lived in all good conscience all of my life. Wish I could say that. What about Peter? He was an impulsive sort of fellow, but... He never was in jail, as far as we know. As far as we know, he never broke up anybody's home. He found a woman on the street. They were fixing a stoner under the law. He just looked around and said, any of you boys that are guiltless yourself, throw a rock at They got up and went on off. He said, where are your accusers? He, she says... They're all gone. Well, I said, you get up and live right. Well, you didn't make a woman evangelist out of it. He didn't send her out before the world a heron. The young women to say, isn't she wonderful? We tolerate everything in this country. Saw a picture the other day. I, I was so angry. Some actress. Traveling over Europe. With her own little child. Another man. That's yours. 
There she was fixing the paper, looking so angelic, and Pete said, poor little thing, she wasn't happily married. Let me tell you something. We need a general, some young people in this country to restore decency to America. This nation needs a restoration of decency! That prodigal son never could fix what he did. There were wrinkles in his mother's face that all the party couldn't smooth out. And there are tears that stained her pillow that could never be put back in her eyes. Don't make a hero out of a son. Make it out of a father that's good enough to forgive a miserable degenerate. You know, I've often wondered how he could even be happy at home. I imagine that night if he had any decency about him, I suppose he did, because he was penitent. I imagine that night all the music going on, all the partying. There was a food piled up when he'd been willing to eat the husks of the swine fed on if he could eat. There he was. And maybe back in that land yonder was a woman with his little baby in her arms. A baby with no legitimate father. Don't make a hero out of him. And maybe back in that land was a girl. Maybe the only daughter of a mother and a father. And maybe he led her stray on a drunken orgy one night. And plucked the flowers of modesty from her cheek. And took out of her eye the luster of innocence and purity and shoved her down the road to hell. He's back home. God sure is good to keep all of us poor sinners out of hell. We need to get in this country where we make heroines and heroes out of decent people that live right. That miserable son. I said, humanly speaking, I don't blame his brother. Pretty tough on him. He'd been at home. Of course, he was wrong. We should help everybody. He should have been glad his brother was saved. He should have been happy about it. I know. Every Christian is happy when people are saved. seen them come to God. I could write the greatest volume I believe has ever been written by any evangelist on the story of conversions. 
I'd put in the pictures of mothers who murdered their babies. I'd have one picture of a father who saved my meeting that killed his own blind idiot child about seven years old. I could write a book. I thank God for all of them that are saved. But let's make some heroes and heroines out of the folks that start out young and live decent. Trusted God, live clean, and didn't debauch themselves and debauch the world. I said over the radio this morning, it's more wonderful for divine grace to keep a fellow from falling into the pit of immorality than it is for divine grace to pull him out of the pit of immorality. It takes as much grace to keep you from going to ruin and even more grace than it does sometimes to pull you back after you ruin like this prodigal son. There he was now. He hit bottom. Nothing to eat. Tried out everything. I heard Dr. McNeely, the great preacher, say one time on the platform a very striking, startling thing about this. He said, why didn't he eat it? Stood there at the hog pen, watched him pour in the swell. Why didn't he eat it? You know Why? He'd tasted food at a father's table. Swill poured in there. If you've ever eaten at a father's table, swill never tastes good anymore. There went a piece of bread in the swill. And he thought of bread at home, but wasn't bread like that all messed up. Yeah, devil will throw you a piece of bread, but he'll dip it in swill. Hogs can eat it, but not folks that ever sat at the father's table. Young people, I don't know what your past has been. You never had this many folks together in your life, didn't have somebody with a bad past. Don't magnify. We don't want anybody on this campus walking around here telling all about your past and pulling the skeletons out of the closet and dangling in the face of people. We don't want that kind of speaker on this platform. Hold up the skeletons and dang. Look at this skeleton. Some of us here skeleton bones too. But those skeletons are not going to meet us at judgment. God Almighty has locked them up so they can't meet us at the judgment bar of God and point their bony fingers into our faces and accuse us. Our sins are under the blood. It's all gone. If you've come to Jesus Christ, never mind what you've done, never mind how you've lived, you know what he said he'd do? He said he'd put your sin behind his back. That means he'll put it where he can't see it. Thank you, God, for hiding mine where you can't see my sin yourself.
Don't let me shove it around, hold up, dangle it for people. Listen, let's from this Saturday on write our life on a clean page, our whole record. Don't put any more skeletons in the closet. Don't turn them loose. Forgetting those things that are behind. Paul said, I persecute saints. I did this. I did that. He never went around talking about his immorality. He never talked about broken marriage vows and dishonoring his youth. Neither did the rest of them. We've all seen it. And we committed the sin, most of us, that we were tempted to commit. And any sin that any sinner ever committed, you could have committed under proper provocation. If you hadn't been real different, protected. But let's keep the pages of the futures on this campus always white. And let us make heroes out of folks who are decent. And exalt Jesus Christ. And God the Father. The indwelling Holy Ghost. Don't sit down and make a hero out of this prodigal son. Or any other prodigal son. Or any prodigal daughter. Praise God for grace it can save.